be a day of celebration, and we look forward to seeing everybody there, and the mission team will be delighted to see each and every one of you. So, thank you very much. Thank you, Evelyn. To add to the announcements that uh, Life Lounge this month is having a break and hopes to be back next month. Now, I have something here this morning which I've never seen before. It's the British Empire Medal and it was presented to Sheila last Monday by the Lord Lieutenant of County Down at Hillsborough Castle. So Sheila, as you know, was awarded this in the New Year's Honours and between a number of us, we've managed to intercept it, get it from her this morning, and bring it in to show it to you. So, Sheila, come on up and get your medal back, please. Well done, Sheila. And you know, she's so modest, she wasn't even going to bring it this morning. She was encouraged to do so, so that we could see it. So well done, Sheila. And now it's my privilege, my pleasure to invite Marielle to lead her service. Thank you, Marielle. It's lovely to see you again. And the last time I was here, there was nobody really in the congregation apart from Billy and the guys on the Sound and Vision. So it's wonderful to see all your faces. But wherever you are in the sanctuary or whether you're joining us online or at a later stage, we pray that you will be blessed and enjoy worshiping God together. Listen to the call of worship in the words of the psalmist. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing to my praise I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. So let's praise him, let's rejoice this morning with the words of that lovely hymn, Meekness and Majesty.
Let us quieten ourselves before God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in praise and worship this morning. We stand in awe of your deeds and marvel at your ways with us. Lord, you are a great and powerful God. We stand silent before you. And Lord, we ask that you would come and fill this sanctuary with your presence and each home that is listening online. May the wind of your spirit blow across each one of us. Lord, we thank you for your creation and praise you for all that we see around us. Thank you for how you paint the skies and cause the flowers to bloom in many colours for our delight. We praise you for this time of beautiful weather when we've been able to enjoy the sunshine and the countryside around us. Help us to take time to slow down each day, use our senses and appreciate the world you have made for us to live in. Thank you for all the things you've helped us with this week and the ways in which you've cared for us and our families. For the times we've been conscious of your presence and for your grace which is always flowing towards us. Thank you that we can come and worship you in freedom this morning. Help us now to tune out the worries and concerns of the world and focus fully on you. Father, you know all concerns we have, but today we choose to put them to one side and worship you. Accept our sacrifice of praise this morning. And Lord, we realize that we've not always been a holy people. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we have grieved your spirit in this past week, through word and deed, and through the things we have left unsaid are undone. Let's pause and take a few moments to reflect on our week and ask the Lord to bring those times to mind. Lord, we bring these things to you now, asking your forgiveness. Come and cleanse us anew. And revive us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Release us to worship you in body, soul, and spirit. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. Amen. So if we've already made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, we can truly sing the words of this next hymn. I am a new creation. Let's join together and sing.
We're going to read from John's Gospel, chapter 11. But first of all, let me set the scene for you. Jesus has got word that his good friend Lazarus is sick, but he waits two days before he goes to him. And as you hear these words, I want you to imagine that you are there in that whole scene. It might even help you to close your eyes and imagine it. We're going to go in at verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was gone to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. And may God bless the reading of his precious word. We're going to continue now with our prayers for others. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you hear our prayers. And so we come confidently before your throne this morning. And Lord, as we look across the world, there are many things that concern us. We think of the ongoing pandemic. And Lord, we thank you for the vaccine program across the world, and especially in our own country, and how it has helped to lessen the effects of COVID. And Lord, we pray for the poorer countries, that they may get the vaccines that they need. Lord, help us to share as nations. And we ask for help for the scientists who work tirelessly on developing and tweaking the different vaccines. Give them your wisdom and strength to keep going. Lord, we bring to you all those who are suffering from COVID at present, at home or in hospital. May they get the help they need. We also pray for those suffering from long COVID. Give them the strength to persevere and get stronger. And Father, we think also of the NHS staff who are working tirelessly during this pandemic. Give them the supernatural stamina and strength to continue as they face wave after wave of the disease. And Lord, now we think of our own Stormont executive as they make decisions in the days to come around lifting restrictions. May they be guided by you, even some of them, even though some of them don't know you. And may there be a spirit of unity and cooperation. Lord, we continue to pray for those in Germany and Belgium who have lost their houses and their belongings in the recent terrible floods. We pray that you would provide for them in the days ahead and help them to build up their lives again. We especially think of those who have lost loved ones in this catastrophe. Be close to them in these days and comfort them. And Father, we turn our thoughts now to those who have lost their jobs or face unemployment at the end of the furlough scheme. We pray that you would provide for them and their families. We ask that they would find help from food banks and voluntary organisations. Lord, help us to be part of the answer by donating what we can. And we pray for those whose mental health has been affected by the pandemic. Help those suffering from anxiety and depression. And Lord, show us the people we are in contact with that need a listening ear, a word of comfort or encouragement. And Lord, this morning we pray for the congregation here at Ballycrocken, for those who are unable to worship with us for a variety of reasons. 
Lord, we think also of those who have drifted away from church. Lord, speak once again to them by your Spirit. Father, we pray for all who are sick in whatever way that you would restore them. We pray for those who are bereaved, that you would comfort them. And Lord, we pray for those who act as carers, that you would give them the strength and stamina that they need. And Lord, now we pray for session as they seek God for a new minister. Give them your wisdom and discernment beyond themselves. And Lord, we thank you for the Reverend Colin McGaw, who's convening the vacancy and his wise counsel. And Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. With Jesus, there is always hope. Hope in life, hope in times of difficulty and despair, and hope of life after death. So let's sing that hymn now called, There is Hope. Let us pray. 
Father, we ask that you would give us open hearts and minds as we come to think of this passage of Scripture that we've read. And Lord, I pray that you would take these few thoughts that I have and use them to your glory. Because we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Some years ago, I worked in a palliative care ward at a hospital in Surrey. And one day, a lady had just died. We'll call her Anne to give her a name. And another nurse and I walked in to perform our last duty of care to her. And another nurse had already placed a single red rose on her breast as a remembrance. And the patients that we had in palliative care, they were there for quite a long time, so we got to know them. And so the other nurse and I started to wash her body lovingly, the last thing we could do for her. And suddenly her body started to rise up in the bed and we ran out of the room down the corridor. I can remember my heart was thumping so fast. I didn't know what had happened. And then, as we stood there and listened, we could hear the quiet hum of the clinitron bed. So what had happened, we had turned this bed off, but we didn't know it started up automatically in half an hour's time. And that's why her body came up. But you know, we were so scared. And that's the closest I've ever come to a resurrection. But I just... It really took my breath away. But today we're going to look at a real resurrection, that of Lazarus. And I've called it the unbinding. If we can just slow the slides down a wee bit. Thank you, that's great. And as we come to this story in more detail, first of all, let's set the scene. Let's get a flavor of what it's like. Let's imagine we are there. So let's look at what I call the backstory. Well, Jesus and the disciples, they were on the ministry trail. And things were getting a bit hair-raising because several times the Jews had tried to stone Jesus and then they'd also tried to capture him because he'd claimed to be the Messiah. That was one side of the coin, but the other side of the coin was that People were flocking from everywhere to hear him, and many believed his message. And against this backdrop, he gets this message that Lazarus is sick. And he said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And you can really sense the depth of the relationship he had with Lazarus and Martha and Mary, because he was the one that they loved. They loved him and he loved them. And theirs was a home that he used to frequent. I don't know if you've got anybody else's house and you can just go and kick off your shoes and put your feet up in the settee. It was that sort of home, although they probably didn't have settees. But he could find a place where he could rest and be refreshed, accepted, and loved. So when he heard this news, Jesus' reaction was not at all what we expected. He stayed where he was for two more days. It's so easy to rush off and try to rescue people out of their situation. 
But instead, Jesus listened to God and was tuned in to what his purposes were in the given situation. Jesus had God's agenda in mind and God's glory. He loved the sisters enough to wait for God's timing. I wonder, are there times when we don't even consider God's agenda? But, you know, we just do our own thing. And we make our own decisions without praying. So we make our own decisions about a finance, make our own decisions about relocating, about our job, about whatever it happens to be. And we look to our own experience and intellect, or else we're asking everybody else, what should I do, what should I do? Instead of asking Jesus, what does he actually want me to do? Remember to ask him and to tune in to his timing. I was with a a friend last week, and she'd been thinking of putting an extension part onto her house. And This girl would be a great prayer warrior. And she said she prayed about it, and she felt God saying, be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. And so now she's not going ahead with it. But she listened. She just didn't go straight ahead and do what she thought she wanted. So Jesus always did things for God's glory, not his own. So he announces that then he finally is going back to Judea. However, the disciples are concerned for their own skin. And really, they don't want to go. They're more concerned for that than the healing of Lazarus. And I love it when Thomas the pessimist says this. Let us also go that we may die with him. So that we may die with Jesus. He's a real drama queen. There's always somebody like that. But the disciples didn't understand about Lazarus and God's agenda. And I bet they realized when Lazarus was dead, it was pretty pointless going at all. And then Jesus says these words, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. And I'm sure they really puzzled and puzzled over that comment. So we've got Jesus, he's listening to God, he's tuned in, he knows what to do. We've got the disciples scared for their own skin and thinking he's finally lost it. And then we come to the graveside. And Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Now to me, that sounds quite final. And the equivalent of the wake was in full swing and people had come from all over the place. Then word comes that Jesus had arrived. And so first we have Martha's reaction. And she's all action. She rushes out to meet him. She's got her anger up front. If you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened, Lord. It's Jesus' fault that Lazarus is He didn't come in time. And you know, I understand why she said that, because it was hard for her. She had seen him heal people with leprosy. And people who were blind. And then when it comes to Lazarus, he doesn't even get there in time. I understand how she feels and the pain of rejection that she shows. I wonder, do we ever feel that pain of rejection when maybe somebody doesn't come through for us or even leaves us in a relationship? Uh, do we take it to God or do we allow it to fester inside us. In Martha's case, 
her face does shine through as she believes that Lazarus will rise again at the resurrection. So at that point, she has faith, but her faith is limited. And then Jesus says some very special words to her in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And those are amazing words. So Martha goes off to find Mary. Now I wonder why Mary wasn't there as soon as she heard Jesus had come. Well, I think it was a fact that showed the deep pain that Mary was in. If you remember, Mary was like a disciple. She sat at the feet of Jesus with the other disciples and she listened to everything that he had to say. I mean, his presence was so special to her. And now she just felt so hurt. But even so, she, feels, she falls at his feet in worship despite her grief and says the same words, Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Mary starts to weep. And we don't really get the full flavor of it, but it's not just crying, it's uncontrollable grief that she's there on the ground and she's sobbing and sobbing her heart out at the feet of Jesus. And then it says that Jesus groaned in his spirit. And sometimes we lose the whole effect in translation, how that was really coming from deep inside him. He groaned at what he was observing. And he goes to the grave and he weeps, not for Lazarus, because he knows he's soon going to be up and about again, but for the pain that the sisters feel. He's weeping for their pain and how they are. I wonder, are there times whenever we blame God for what has happened in our lives and we're angry with him, just like Martha and Mary? We don't understand. And yet God can change everything around. God can use everything in our lives. Even the trials that we have, we can grow through those or we can allow them to fester and we can be angry at Jesus. Now, time is very significant here. When someone's been dead for three days, the Pharisees taught that the spirit had left the body never to return. Listen to the words of the writer Ron Mosley in his book, Yeshua. The Pharisees believed that a deceased person's spirit hovered over his body for three days, and that during that time there remained the possibility of resuscitation. So Jesus waited for four days to prove them wrong and turn their world upside down. I just love it. So he didn't come at once to the sisters in order to show his power over death. So the resurrection of Lazarus leaves the Jews in no doubt that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. So in those days, some rabbis were recorded as actually having healing powers, and they could cast out demons. But there were four things that they couldn't do and were the marks of the, of the Messiah. 
The first thing was they couldn't heal leprosy. That was the first thing they couldn't do. The second was they couldn't heal a man blind from birth. They could heal somebody who got blinded later on in their life. And just a little bit earlier from the passage we read, a man blind from birth was healed and the Pharisees investigated it. The third thing they couldn't do was cast out a dumb spirit. So they could cast out a spirit if they could ask the spirit what its name was, like legion. But if the spirit was dumb and had no name, they couldn't do it. And that's what happened at the bottom of the Mount of Transfiguration. They couldn't cast out that dumb spirit. They just couldn't do it. Only Jesus could do it. And then, of course, the fourth thing was they couldn't raise the dead. So after this happening, some Jews put their faith in him and others ran off to tell the Pharisees. And the Pharisees plotted to kill him because they knew all these four things had fallen into place. And, you know, you'd think that really they'd want the long-awaited Messiah to be there. But they didn't because they only wanted to have Jesus on their own terms. And I wonder, are we like that sometimes in our life? We just want Jesus on our own terms. We want to keep him sort of small, keep him out of big decisions, keep him out of this, keep him out of that. And they were like that. They didn't want Jesus coming in and disturbing their world. He wasn't coming the way they thought he might come in to overthrow the Romans. Do we want Jesus in our own way? But back to Martha. Martha is still ready to give advice. You know these people that are always ready to give advice. And she says to Jesus, well, you know, it's going to smell now after four days. But Jesus goes ahead anyway. And imagine the scene, the whole commotion and the noise as the stone is rolled away, followed by the stink. And then Jesus calls out in a loud voice. He talks to the Father so others can hear and believe. And then, of course, he shouts, Lazarus, come out. And he had to shout Lazarus because otherwise the whole graveyard would have been up and about and it would have been terrible. So he had to say Lazarus. But suddenly, there's a dead man walking. And on paper, we sort of, we minimize it when we read that in the Bible. But if that was you and you were at the graveside and suddenly somebody jumped up through a coffin, how many of them fainted? How many of them yelled out? How many of them ran off like me whenever I thought there was a resurrection? And then how did he come out? So he's all bound up. Did he hop? Did he shuffle? What way on earth did he move? And I suppose as an ex-nurse, I have lots of questions. Did he have bed sores after lying on that rock for four days? Did his circulation come back gradually? Was he stiff at first? What was it like to be him? To find actually you could move about again, but maybe first of all you couldn't see because you were all wrapped up. So who went to release him? Was it Martha? Was it Mary? Was it somebody else? And what did it feel like once the grave clothes were off? Was his skin cold or warm, mottled or pink? Did he speak as soon as the bandage came off his jaw? Did he smell like they all said he would? Did he get hugged? And what did it feel like to come back from the dead? I don't know, but I just would have so many questions if I had been there. I don't believe 
Lazarus was ever the same again. This was a new beginning for him. A second lease of life, in a sense. He's never mentioned that much in the Bible, Lazarus, and maybe his faith wasn't that strong. But I bet it developed quickly after that happened to him, and then he had a testimony that he could share. So Lazarus experienced an unbinding at a physical level. He was released and let go. And perhaps he experienced an unbinding at another level, emotional or spiritual. And I feel that some of us here are ripe for that sort of unbinding at a deeper level this morning. And I wonder if we take a little bit of time out, maybe this afternoon, maybe this evening, or maybe tomorrow, and just sit with Jesus and ask him to show us, is there anything that binds us? Is there anything that binds us? Are there any people that bind us in our lives? Are there any memories, any past experiences, any fears that keep us held, any anxieties, whatever it might happen to be? Maybe they're financial. Maybe it feels like a constraint. It could be there's someone in our family, we're not talking to them. And that's something that binds you. Or perhaps something's happened and it's very difficult and we can't get over it. Maybe it's even happened in church. Or maybe fear holds us back from doing certain things in our lives. Perhaps we struggle with other things like our temper or our thought life. And maybe the pandemic has caused us to be really anxious and we find it difficult to go outside, to go to the shops. And even some of you listening online may have found it difficult to come back into the church. Well, Jesus can bring into the open all these things that have like a vice hold grip on us. We may not even realize that he can bring release. He can reveal to us the things that hold us back from fully and totally experiencing God, from freedom in Christ. And when I worked in England, I remember a lady in our church, she had some problems in her life, and there were real enough problems, but she went round the church telling everybody about her problems. And lots of people ran to help her rescue her, I would say, in different ways. Some people give her money, some people give her practical help, some people met her for coffee, all of this. And she used up resources and resources that were in the church. But she could have been released from that by trusting God and taking responsibility for her own actions. She could have been unbound. But you know, she deliberately chose not to do that. Because if she did, she wouldn't have a poor me story anymore to go around and tell people. People wouldn't feel sorry for her and give her attention. And she had come to like that. She'd come to like getting attention. And it's as if being looked after had become her God. And she was stuck in what I call in the counselling business a victim mentality. And so we have to be very discerning as to how we help people. Do we keep going what should be a process that they need to really sort out with God and themselves? Do we keep that going by the way we we feed into their helplessness. And for others of us, it might be the opposite. We need to be needed to feel good about ourselves. We always need to rescue someone instead of stepping back and asking God for his agenda in the other person's life. 
And some of us live through others, depending on them. We need their contact to exist. We need their approval. So sometimes it costs us to invite God in to do the unbinding. You might want to think about that. Sometimes it costs us, but it is worth it. And many of these situations exist in our lives because of the pain we've suffered through people and life circumstances. And I remember somebody else in England, she was quite younger, with, she was a, a, a single mother. And she was the same, she'd gone around with her whole story of woe and everything, and she had things that were difficult for her. And then after a while, I met her. And she had invited Jesus to bring what was binding her into the open. And I remember she said to me, Mariel, I'm changed. And she was. And I could even see it in her face. She had changed. She had allowed Jesus to come in, and she was then taking responsibility for her own life. And after years of bondage, she was free. Anybody can invite God to make them free. And so sometimes when the unbinding happens, it feels a wee bit like unfamiliar ground, like we're staggering around a wee bit like Lazarus when he came out of the grave. But I just imagine that we stagger right into the arms of Jesus and he can hold us. And it will be like a homecoming to us because we come home to the one who loves us. You know, he's all we need. We don't need other people's approval. We don't need to keep doing that rescuing business. Yes, we help people, but we listen first and know who we go to and what we should be doing. Let's just spend a couple of minutes now just in quiet, just to reflect on on what's been said. I'm going to read a poem now by Heather Johnston. It's called The Unbinding. My memories are tightly wrapped in the grave clothes of yesterday, bound inextricably together with the ointments of pain, the odour of loss and the cords of despair. But as his voice called to those around the immobile Lazarus, unbind him, So his invitation came to me, still keeps on coming. Unbind, unwrap the bindings of yesterday, lay bare the wounds, set free the memories. Until, strengthened by rainbow bands of hope, I exchange the ointments of pain, the odour of loss and the cords of despair for the balm of healing, the fresh sweet fragrance of homecoming and his new strong ties of love. Let's pray. Lord, you know for each one of us what are the things that bind us. And Lord, we pray that we would take that time to sit with you and to ask you and that then we would move on that and that you would set us free from others' approval, from the need to rescue, for the need to be a victim and to tell our story all the time. 
Lord, help us to be telling your stories and not ours unless they are a testimony so that it is for you, your glory. So Lord, we ask all this now in your name. Amen. So we thank God the Father for sending his son Jesus to die for us. And we're going to end now with that hymn of celebration, There is a Redeemer. Let's just say the grace to one another, and now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you.